guys. Well, today we're re-airing an interview with author Carrie Cohen. She's the author of a memoir called Lush, in which she details kind of recognizing that she had some problem drinking. You know, I think that there is an interesting phenomena of women in drinking. We, it's very normalized, right? I mean, it, it's almost a social contract that getting together with women involves drinks. And for many of us, a healthy, you know, habit might look like having a glass of wine or two once or twice a week. But for some of us, it becomes a medicator. It becomes a problem. It becomes something that we're doing more than we want to. I talk to so many women for whom this is true. So I really love this episode with Carrie. She gives a lot of earned wisdom, but also just a lot of practical advice on what to do if you want to scale back and, you know, how to seek help and how to seek resources and how we can kind of change some of our conversations around drinking so that it doesn't seem so normalized or seem so required for women to hang out. So I really appreciated her wisdom on this topic. I think you will too. Okay, Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I was really excited to talk to you on a number of levels. First of all, because we both have a lot in common. We're both licensed therapists and moms. Yeah. (laughs) Blended families. Mm. Um, But you just wrote a book that I found really fascinating, which is called Lush. And it really delves into women and drinking and when Mm -hmm. drinking becomes a a problem. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And all of the confusion around that. I mean, I think the thing that led me to write the book in the first place was that I noticed that suddenly I was drinking a whole lot, but kind of more interestingly, everyone I talked to was telling me the same thing. It's like none of those other women I was talking to had had drinking problems previously and neither had I. And here we all were suddenly drinking too much. And we just, I just, I just found that worrisome and strange and, and it made me want to start pursuing it as a project. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I can resonate with that so much myself, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. I'm in a life stage with, um, you know, four kids and things are stressful and I find myself like, you know, at the end of the day thinking like, okay, I'm ready for a drink. And then I actually went on a diet a while back where I wasn't supposed to drink and really Mm -hmm. noticed like, oh my gosh, Yeah. All those things come up when you do that. (laughs) All the things come up. That's funny because I totally, uh, attempted to do those sorts of diets when I was drinking too much. And the part that included where you were supposed to stop drinking, I I just didn't do that part. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, that's more evidence. Like, huh? Yeah. What's happening? You know, what's happening here? So what do you, you know, what do you think is happening for, for women, you know, in our generation that, What's going on for us existentially that, you Mm -hmm. know, there seem to be so many of us struggling with feeling that need to drink? Well, I mean, really, we can just look at the experience of being a woman in our culture and it's not, it's not too hard to figure out why, you know, I mean, it's like, we're, it's the whole, we're supposed to, you know, be able to have it all or, and even want to have it all. There's that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that already seems difficult. I mean, like you said, there's, um, you know, for yourself being a mother, you're, you're working probably full time and certainly, you know, working in often working in careers that, you know, are quite demanding. And, um, um, and then, 
and, you know, taking care of things at home. And then also just trying to manage, I don't know, like the experience of, of being okay in our, in the world, which is just really, you know, it's difficult for any human, but I think that for women, it can, it's, it's harder just because of all the pressures and, and all the ways that women, um, you know, get harmed around our bodies, around, um, our, uh, who we are sexually around, um, you know, who we are in relationships and, um, uh, I, all those things together, I think it just, it, there's some, and there's something about the, your forties, like as you hit middle age, yeah, where you look back and you're like, wait a minute, this is not what I was promised. <laughs> like, this right. is not how I thought things were going to go. And that's sort of depressed and it's depressing because you realize yeah. like, wow, that was a lot of my life. And I, you know, I, it just didn't go how I thought. And here I am for me, you know, I have, um, my older son is autistic, which is, you know, not, it's not a terrible thing at all, but it's, you know, it's different, certainly different than I had thought was going to happen for me when I was, uh, you know, in my twenties, get, you know, thinking about imagining that I was going to get married and have children and I was already divorced and, um, and here I was in another relationship that was just really, really bad and crappy. And, and also, and also that was really depressing. Cause I was like, really, after all this time, after all the work I've done on myself around my stuff around relationships, I'm in basically like the worst relationship of my life. Like how, yeah. how did I do this? Yeah, you know? Right. Um, and feeling like, like it was, it, it, there's kind of this feeling of like, Oh God, it's too late. Or, mm-hmm. or, or how do, how do I get out? Like you can't find a way out. Mm-hmm. So drinking suddenly seems like such a nice way to soften the edges and it's socially acceptable too. So it is socially acceptable and it's, it's interesting. And you talk about this a little bit too, how socially acceptable it is almost mm-hmm. to the point that it's encouraged and it's jokey and it's, yeah. it almost feels required you yes. know, for women when they're getting together. Yes. There's all that stuff about, um, mom's groups that, you know, drink wine out of sippy cups or there's just, there's like a whole bunch of stuff about, um, uh, women and, and, and social drinking that is, yeah, just like you said, it's, it's expected and also, um, funny. It's, it's funny, you know, even when it's not funny, it's supposed to be funny. So, and it is kind of funny, but you know, it's, it's like, it's funny in that, like, what else are we supposed to do? But, but, joke about the fact that our lives are too overwhelming and we all feel like we're going to die. You're like, you know, right. like what else can you do? But joke about the fact that you need, need a drink. So, um, it makes sense to me. I certainly don't judge that, but I also, I just feel like we need to look critically at that and be like, what's that about? Why aren't we, why aren't we really spending more time looking at what's happening to women in, instead of just continuing to drink, you know, because the more, the more we continue to drink, of course, the less we're going to spend time looking at what's really going on. <laughs> right. Isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's really, you know, where addiction gets so hairy is that not yes. only are you doing something to avoid the pain, the, the very thing you're doing is taking you away from the ability to yes. think critically about it. Exactly, exactly. And that, and you know, the thinking critically about it feels like a really important part of this book and this issue for me Mm -hmm. is that one of the things I did um, for this book, and really just something I do in my life, I guess, for for everything that I'm um, 
that I start self-examining or examining about others too, as maybe as a therapist or, or just as a person in the world, is that I stayed curious instead mm. of deciding anything. And people get upset with you for that, <laughs> which, you. you know, they don't like it. They were really mad. I mean, pe- some people were very mad that I did not just decide I was an alcoholic and go to AA. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I yeah. think people are still mad. Yeah. And people who read this will be mad about it. Um, that I never just, de- that I stayed curious and, and wanted to know, I wanted to understand. I didn't want to just decide that because I, I just, something, something internally told me, no, that's not, that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I never did, of course, I never did wind up going to AA. I never, I, I quit for a month in order to sort of like do a restart. Mm-hmm. Recalibrate. Yeah. But then I, but now I, I still drink, I moderate. I just, you know, I changed my life and I don't, um, I just don't drink the way I did. I don't have a relationship to it like I did before. Um, and that's because I changed my, the things around me that needed to get changed. And I did, and I just started focusing more on the core problem, which for me was just, was not drinking. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'm not saying that that's true for everybody at all. Some people, of course, do need to stop completely. Right. Um, but I just think that it's worthwhile to look at the possibility that that's not always the case. Yeah. And I appreciated how you're really kind of looking at that gray area because I feel like we we all sort of have a, a collective sense of what an alcoholic is. And it's that yes. person who who can't manage to drink. And if they drink, you know, they kind of slide down a staircase metaphorically, mm-hmm. but also maybe literally. You know, and, I, <laughs> right. and I have those relatives who they, they cannot drink. Yes. You know, if they start to drink, it goes from zero to, to 10 to like job loss, you know? Yes. Right. Um, exactly. But I think, and, and that's important to talk about, and there are many resources about that, but I think a lot of us are in this kind of messy middle where mm-hmm. we probably don't identify as an alcoholic, maybe don't meet that criteria, probably, you know, aren't at the point where we need full abstinence and a 12-step program, but Mm -hmm. maybe we're in a place where it's problematic. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's, of course, that's worth looking at. And of course, um, there are times when, you know, you can have problematic relationships to drinking um, that, you know, there's lots and lots of research now. And this is the other thing that I found through staying curious is, you know, I spent a lot of time reading and, and looking at what was going on in the world of addiction right now. And um, there's, it, it's just not true that most people are alcoholics. Mm. So, um, I mean, if you look at, I mean, of course, there's statistics, which are always questionable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's lots and lots of research that, that supports the idea that the reason people turn to substances or or behaviors, you know, like process addiction stuff, like which is, you know, my core addiction is sex and love addiction, which I wrote about in my first memoir, um, that um, that a lot of people turn to those things um, not because, not out of a disease or not out of like, you know, that they're just, they're inevitably n- never going to be able to stop. It's just, it's, it's instead uh, because of our environments and that's stress really. I mean, stress. Mm-hmm. So when we look at being a woman, of course, and the, str- and the things we talked about at the beginning of this interview about being, being a woman in this culture and how there's just this inevitable amount of stress that, 
we all are stuck with, Mm -hmm. but then add to it any of our own personal issues and ways that we get ourselves into um, environments that are going to be hurtful to us, um, that it's those things that we need to focus on and not, and not just take away the substance. You know, like there's this dangerous thing I think that we have that like, you know, substances are evil, that they're the problem. And of course they're not, (laughs) you know, the problem is, the problem is, is the, all the, the pressures and, 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 and the environmental problem that we, that we sit in every day. And I don't mean like environment, like, um, environmental, like pollution. I mean, environmental, right. like, like what, what our culture does our around, cultural milieu. yeah, yeah, around making us feel not good enough around, you know, I mean, yeah. that's probably the biggest one is the ways in which our like capitalist culture just makes us feel like crap all the time. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that we, and so then we feel, and then we make bad, you know, then we, then we behave in certain ways in our lives because we feel bad and, and, you know, boom, then we're in a place where now we need to have a drink to take the edge off. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So what, you know, in your journey, what was kind of that moment where, or was there a moment or was it more of a progression where you kind of made that realization for yourself? Like I need a reset or I need to recalibrate with this drinking thing. Yeah. Um, it was, there wasn't like a, a singular aha moment. Um, there were a number, there, there were a number of points where I thought to myself, all right, this, this is out of hand. Like something, I'm really unhappy. Something's really wrong. It was almost like I noticed that I was drinking too much before I noticed how unhappy I was. (laughs) And, um, and, and like most things, you know, I had to, I had to realize it and then realize it again and then be like, all right, that's it. I'm done. And then about, you know, two years later, it's like, no, really I'm done now. You know, that's mm-hmm. how we do things. But, um, so, uh, so that's kind of what happened. And then, um, I, and what I did was I, I changed the situation around me first, which was the, the relationship I was in, which I got out of that relationship. And, and then, um, I decided that I was going to sort of design my own way out. And I mean, it's sort of a privileged thing that I was able to do. I was able to go to, I went to an ashram actually in the Bahamas. I mean, I realized not everyone could do that. Um, but that's what I decided to do. I sort of designed my own situation where, where I knew when I was there and I went there for almost a month, I knew when I was there that I would not be able to touch any of those, anything. I wouldn't be able to to drink. I would, there was no alcohol anywhere and there was no, I couldn't smoke cigarettes, which was, you know, very much went along with the drinking for me. Um, and, um, and I was going to be inside of this uh, place that was all like yoga and meditation and, um, spirituality and, um, and, um, and so it just kind of forced me into quitting drinking. So I, I kind of, I took myself out of my out of my life in order to do it. And I know not everyone can do that. And that's also why a lot of people go to rehab because what a great way to, to take yourself yeah. out of your life, you know? Absolutely. Um, and that always sounded dreamy to me, like as a woman, like, Oh wow. <laughs> like you just get to, <laughs> you just get to like get taken care of. People go want to hear about your feelings, you know, like totally. that sounds so nice. Like with a bunch of other women, you know, Sit in a circle. Yeah. It sounded great. <laughs> so, um, but actually this was cheaper, um, to do it the way I did it. And, um, and I just, you know, and I made the decision based on some uh, literature I'd seen out there about moderation, where I would take the month off, and then I would, I would, um, the idea is then you make like a plan around 
how to bring drinking back in and how often and you stick to it. But what I found once I got back is I didn't even really need to do that. I just, uh, I just started drinking in a more normal way. Um, and not, and I, I, the parts of me that had been drawn to drinking in this negative way, uh, were just sort of had, had been, uh, I'd worked through I, or I'd worked through in ways, in different ways. I wasn't desperate in the ways that I was when I was with this man in this relationship hmm. because I just wasn't so miserably unhappy anymore. Right. <laughs> so, um, so it just, it helped me that, that recalibration was necessary to kind of, just stop the habit of it. But, um, Mm -hmm. but I was, yeah. So I just, I wound up being able to have this different relationship. That's yeah. That's so interesting too, how just a relationship can change our behavior and our coping mechanisms and all of that. Well, it can for me because of my sex and love addiction, you know, it's like, I don't know that that's true for everybody, but for me, it definitely can. Um, and for others, I think who have, like uh, relationship injury is kind of what it is. You know, I have like, I have like basically like an intimacy disorder. I, I don't, you know, I don't really love all these labels, like, but at the same time, I think they help to, right. Um, I think of the sex and love addiction thing as a spectrum. And, yeah, um, absolutely. and I have spent my life, you know, really focusing on that and, and working on that in my life. And then, and you wrote but, a memoir about that as yes. well. Yes, exactly. That Loose one is Girl. called Loose Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a fascinating topic too. And I know we, you know, our plan was to talk about Lush, but mm-hmm. I mean, in a nutshell for, for listeners, just because I think, I think sex and love addiction are misunderstood, but also very Completely. prevalent. Like, could you give, you know, a, a kind of working definition of what that looks like for people who might be thinking like, that could be me. Yeah. Um, uh, I, part of, part of me wants to say for women, especially, that especially as I wrote that book, Loose Girl, um, I was really just writing about what it is to be a girl in our culture, you know, growing mm-hmm. up as a girl in our culture. So there's a way that it's kind of we're all set up to be sex and love addiction addicts, mm-hmm. rather, if the if the conditions are right, you know, yeah. because because of our culture, because yes. of the ways in which girls are, have no avenue for their own um uh, sexual agency, but and but also that we are so set up to to know that male desire, uh, that men desiring us is what makes us worthwhile. Yes. So, um, so that so there's that part of it, and then the other part of it, I would say, is so you know, like meaning it's it's always in context. I just don't believe that this issue exists in a vacuum. In well, I don't think anything does in in mental health, but. Um, but certainly sex and love addiction very strongly is inside of the context of a damaging culture around it, um, particularly for women. But then another way to look at it with just a simple definition is uh, that I often say is that it's using sex and or love to avoid intimacy, mm-hmm. um, which of course is a, um, you know, is an irony. Right. So. But it, it you know, my understanding of love addiction is it's that like addiction of the thrill of the chase or being liked for the first time. It's not necessarily intimacy. It's none of it's intimacy. Yeah. yeah. None of it's real intimacy. And it's, um, it's often love addiction is often about, um, anxiety and desperation mm-hmm. and, um, and believing yourself unlovable and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, worth nothing and, um, and that if a, if 
if you can have a, a, a man or woman loving you um, and and want and desiring you, then then you will be worth something. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a definitely troubling. It's a difficult, uh, shameful thing, mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people to live with and certainly was for me for a long time. And then it also, my, my sex and love addiction, you know, changed shape and looked really different throughout the course of my life. Um, and you know, if I think about it as being in recovery, which, you know, I guess I can just to some extent think of it that way. Um, then what I've learned is that it goes through so many manifestations as I, you know, one part of it, I'll be like, oh, you know, I don't feel that way anymore. Wow. I must be, you know, at some point I was like, wow, I must be all better, you know? (laughs) And that's just not, that's never the case. It's Mm -hmm. something that I'll always, it's my core struggle. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it kind of defines me in a big way. So, um, so that's something I'll always work on. And so the relationship with this, with this man that I wrote about in this book was, was so extra upsetting to me because I thought I had already kicked so much of that. And here Mm -hmm. I was in, in probably the worst relationship of my life based on my sex and love addiction. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like as bad as it was like bottom of the barrel in terms, you know, rock bottom for what I thought I I should be so much in such a different place around. So that was depressing. Um, that is part of the drinking, (laughs) you know, but that's, you know, and I think people don't talk about that a lot, that that is how, um, life works. Like our growth is not this sort of direct diagonal up, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. we, um, someone once described it to me as a spiral going so, so slowly up, you know, where each time you keep coming around the same thing and actually you are doing something a little different or you have a different, a better thing going on and it Mm -hmm. is a little different, but it's basically the same thing. (laughs) So, yeah, it's so true. And I, I mean, this might be true for you too, but I find it's like, I might have more insight about it and I might have more words for it, but I'm still doing the same thing. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I know I'm doing it. Right. And that's so important for us as, you know, as, as people in mental health to, to make sure our clients know, because otherwise they feel so awful when they come up against, they're just like, really, I'm here again. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously I haven't grown. And that feels so, that can feel so depressing and feel like, what's the point? Why would I, why am I even going to continue trying, you know? So it's important, I think for for people to know that, um, that that's sort of a lie, a myth in our culture that growth yes. is a is yeah. a direct arrow going a trajectory. up trajectory. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so true. Mm-hmm. Well, back to drinking for you yes. know some of our listeners Please. who might be hearing this and going like, I think I could probably tamp down mm-hmm. <laughs> the drinking. You know, what would be some what would be some signs that like things mm-hmm. maybe need to be reined in a bit. Well, at one point in my book, pretty early on, actually, I said, if you are worrying that you have a drinking problem, like mm-hmm. you have a drinking problem, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just sort yeah. of like, as soon as you start wondering about that, then like, why, why even question whether, I mean, it is, you could, I, and again, I encourage people to stay curious. It doesn't mean first, all right, that's it. And now I'm, you know, I have a drinking problem and I need to quit forever. Um, but instead to be, to the fact, as soon as you notice that something's, something seem you know, possibly is going on with drinking, 
um, then to be start looking critically at what that's about for you. Yeah. Um, you know, like what, what it's really about, because it's, it's not going to, it's not, it's rarely going to be about the alcohol itself. Again, Mm -hmm. if it is, Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, then when you, if you come to that conclusion at some point, then it sounds like you need to stop drinking for good. But, um, a lot of times it's just, it's stuff that is, um, much deeper and stuff that is, um, related to your, what's, what you're, what's going on in your life and things, you know, things that are happening around you or choices you're making. And also some of it, it you know, most of it is like, it's not controllable. Kind of like we talked about this more like stuff that's happening to us all the time. And we can't, we're kind of stuck in this culture where women don't have a lot of ways out of that. Um, but so anyway, but to go back to your, to your question, the, the real issue is, is it really doesn't take much to guess whether you have a a drinking problem. (laughs) It's just like, as soon as you start thinking, well, this is not, you know, I feel like I'm going too far. And then I guess the other thing would be, can you, once you determine, I think I have a drinking problem, you know, can you just stop for a little bit? And if you can't, well then again, probably there's a, a problem there, you know? And that's what happened to me is I, I knew that I had a problem and I wasn't stopping. I wasn't willing to stop. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, if people are finding themselves in that situation and feeling like I, I need a reset, I mean, what advice would you give them for, you know, taking the practical steps? Mm-hmm. There is a, um, there is an, a sort of an organization, I guess, out there, um, or a program out there called Moderation Management. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Which I, yeah, which I had looked to, I, when I was doing all this research, I found and, um, and I looked to, and there, it's interesting because it is kind of quiet and it's, it's, um, hard to find programs in your area, but you can, you, it's online, you can find it online, but if you want to find, but, but they do have like support groups and stuff, kind of like AA where you can go and meet with other people who are moderating and they do have a I listserv. I know. And they have a listserv where you, where people are supporting each other. Um, and that's a really good thing. Um, but it's kind of quiet and it's funny because one of my, um, a colleague who very much, um, is, um, kind of old school around addiction and alcohol and believes that, you know, people need to become abstinent, um, said he, he said that he wondered whether I was, um, doing a disservice in my book by, you know, the fact that people might read my book and then, and then, and then find out about moderation and, um, and that that was unethical in some way for people who were, uh, who are actually alcoholic. And I, and and my response was, was, but nobody knows about moderation. No, (laughs) Like everybody's going to assume AA and so many people go into AA and actually then feel like they can't get out. (laughs) They really, they realize this actually isn't my problem, but now I can't get out because now everyone that I'm, you know, in AA with is like, well, if you leave, you have failed. And, you know, if you leave that you're an alcoholic who has, you know, relapsed and, Um, and so, uh, there's all these, there's, it's a lot of people just don't do anything then. So, and so I think knowing about moderation is at least an option out there. 
And, you know, and again, um, there, and also there's lots of books, by the way, there's tons and tons of books that talk about how to, how to moderate your drinking. Yeah. Um, I found those as well. And, um, there's, and, and just, yeah, I think just for people to know that there are options, there's also yeah. other things like, um, you know, smart recovery, which is more sort of CBT based, uh, mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral based rather than, um, spiritually based like AA. Um, there's refuge recovery, which is Buddhist based, uh, recovery, um, uh, which was created by, um, uh, Noah Levine, I think. But, um, anyway, there's so many options and I guess that's, that's something that I would, I would encourage people to look into. And then, and if they want to start with moderation, find out, that's a great way to find out if you can moderate. Well, I was just about to say that it's like, it's not necessarily like, well, if they go the moderation route, they'll never land in AA. Like if they go the moderation route and it colossally fails, that would be an indication that a greater, (laughs) more robust program is needed. Exactly. 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 I mean, that's the thing is that, um, it's, you know, unless you're really, um, you know, everything is at, I mean, unless you're, you know, nearing death, you know, the other thing is if you have a real alcohol problem, which, um, it's always feels important to say to an audience, if you, if, if alcohol, if you have a true alcohol problem that is, um, has reached, you know, like stage four at this point, which is not a real, um, categorization for alcohol, but I'm just saying like, you know, as a metaphor stage four, um, you, you need medical support around getting, around getting clean Yeah, because it's really dangerous to stop drinking when you're that far in and not everybody knows that. So it always feels important to say that. Um, that's a really good point. Yeah. So, but that, that's a, that would be like a whole lot of alcohol. I mean, I was, by the time I moderated, I mean, by the time I quit for that month, I was drinking approximately a bottle to a bottle and a half of wine a night. Mm-hmm. And um, that's and that's a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a whole lot, but that's still not as much as one would need to need medical support. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I just feel like that's important to yeah. say. Medi- people who need medical support would probably be the people that wake up uncomfortable till they take a drink. Exactly. The yeah. one exactly. Versus that's a good way good way to put it. Afternoon to evening drinkers. Right. Yes. Well, I'm yeah, going to link up to yeah. your books on our site. And oh, I'm good. also going to link up to all of the resources you mentioned, moderation Great. management, smart recovery, refuge recovery, Alcoholics Great. Anonymous. So if people are interested, they can explore more. Um, but I really encourage our readers to check out Lush, a memoir, because I think you did such a great job of personalizing this for people. And it was so vulnerable and so well done. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I think this is a super helpful conversation for people. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at, at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to shepherd audio for our intro music. Take care. Take care.